0: Hello listeners and welcome to the Chosen Brew Podcast. I'm your host Ian McNally and in this episode I'm talking to Andrew Giorgio who is one part of Fury and Son. He's the son, not the Fury. And you'll tell by his placid nature as he talks his way through the six beers that changed everything for him. But before we get to that point, I hope you've all recovered from good beer week. My only advice before we start... Is wrap yourself up warm if you're in Melbourne, get by the fireside, get yourself a Furian and Sun Scotch Ale, because they're going to run out and enjoy this beer journey from Andrew Giorgio. Let's get into it. Well, welcome to the Chosen Brew podcast. Today, I am talking to Andrew from Furian Sun. Welcome, Andrew.
1: Thanks man, thanks to be here
0: Now you're going to talk through your six beers that changed everything But before we start, um, tell us a little bit about Fury & Son and where you're up to today and, and how you got here
1: uh, so, Fury and Son is the incarnation of um, my father and I. Um, we we were home brewing for a number of years before we started the business, uh, and then we both kind of got busy and went our separate ways. Um, Dad's always had his own business, uh, and then I got really really stuck into my work. Um, and then probably halfway through twenty fifteen, um, we decided that we needed a change. Um, yeah, and um, we went ahead and started the brewery kind of crazy when when, when I'm thinking about it actually Um, but yeah we um, we you know went uh, ahead and spec'd out some stuff and decided that this is what we wanted to do and, and here we are how does a
0: father-son relationship work? Is it is it always uh, you know roses <laughs> and uh, beautiful
1: uh, home brewing? Um, have you seen the show American Chopper? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it's like. So um, no, no. Um, I, I'm, I guess I'm pretty lucky in the fact that um, he allows me a lot of creative control, uh, a lot of freedom to be able to do what we want to do. Uh, and when I say we, I mean myself and the brewing team. Um, He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's very, very, I guess, supportive. Um, and he just wants us to do, um, you know, brew good beer. You know? And I guess at the end of the day, that's all he's concerned about. So,
0: And um, were you, when you were homebrewing, did that come through a, um, was that just because you wanted, you know, sometimes people get into home brewing because yeah. they want to brew really good beer. Some people get it because it's cheaper.
1: Um, <laughs> what, what was the motivation to th- be given? I think with? it was just a way for us to bond, you know, and it just happened to be that, um, and then that's what kind of fueled the passion later on down the track because it was those feelings of us, you know, I guess working together and, you know, uh, yeah, it was just rewarding, mm. you know, obviously working together with your, with your dad. Um, and then, and yeah, that, uh, that's kind of why we got into it, to be honest, just, to, just so that we can, I guess, strengthen our relationship.
0: And tell us a little bit about where, where you're at today. Where are Fiori and son? Um, now uh, you've just t- took me through a walk through the brewery. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about what you've got there, and um, yeah, how um, you're becoming more self-sufficient.
1: Sure. So one of the one of the core principles that we based the brewery on when we first started was is that we had to do everything ourselves. And if we were going to claim that we were independent and family run, um, and kind of you know stick down that pathway, then we needed to be true to that. Um, so, everything that we do, all of our beers are all done in-house. Nothing's contract brewed. We bottle our own beer. We brew it all here. Um, all our recipes are designed by our head brewer, Craig Ullenstein. Um And, and yeah, it's, it's something that was very important to us. Um, so, all of our equipment um, was, was, well, some of it was secondhand. Some of it was brand new from DME and we kind of, paired it all together in a Frankenstein of a system Um, (laughs) it's a 25 heck brew house um we've got four 50 heck fermenters um I was just showing you the bottling line it's a 16 head um rotary filler um it fills about three cases a minute um and and yeah it was just something that we that we wanted to do from the beginning wanted to be self-sufficient from the get-go and you're
0: you're running at capacity you you're very much in demand and
1: yeah look um we we found it was it was a little bit more of a, a pull than a push um, when it came to selling stuff, and that that doesn't necessarily mean that we that we brew the best beer in the world. It just seems to be that people uh, resonate with uh, what we're trying to put out there, um, which is you know passionate here for the beer and not really much else kind of thing. So our branding is quite simple. Um, you know, the, the shops that you'll find this in are generally your, your local independent stores and, and it seems to be important to some people and that's why they, they, they support us and, yeah, we're obviously incredibly thankful for that.
0: And you've also got all the preparation ready for a, a bar? At the yeah, b- at the, yeah. So at the hopefully...
1: Um, if everything goes according to plan and council gives us our approval. If anyone from council is listening. <laughs> please, please help us. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll know. So we did the application a couple of weeks ago for the fourth time. Um, and yeah, if, if everything goes according to plan, we'll, we'll have a tap room on site finally. And in terms of uh,
0: how many people are on the books here uh, in terms of employees? and Yeah,
1: so we've got um, our head brewer, our assistant brewer, uh, myself, uh, my wife. And we've got two sales reps. Excellent. Yeah. So um,
0: I'm really interested to find out your journey, um, particularly obviously with with a passion for homebrew. How long have you been homebrewing
1: for? Um, Look, we started then we stopped. So (laughs) (laughs) so we did it for a couple of years and then we stopped for a couple and we started again, we stopped again. Um, And I will say straight off the bat... None of my recipes were any good. <laughs> uh, Craig, uh, my head brewer, walked in and he kind of looked at him and he shook his head and <laughs> designed them all again himself. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been, it's been—it's you know, I guess the length of time, it's been, you know, nearly 10 years or maybe more than that. But, um, yeah, it was never in one continuous stint.
0: Yeah, I'm, I think a lot of people will <laughs> sympathize yeah. with that. I'm, yeah. I'm currently in the stopped phase. <laughs> okay. Yeah, in, I don't so, feel that bad. Um, yeah, So, let's get on to your first choice.
1: Yeah, so look, there's no particular order um, to the beers that I've got. They, they, um, I guess some of them, I, I've put them on here because I, I really love the flavors and, and what's going on in the beers. And then there's other ones that I, I really like because of, of the reason or, or mm. why they were brewed a story behind it, perhaps. Um, so the first one for me is the Bridge Road Pale Ale. Uh, a lot of people talk about the um, Little Creatures Pale Ale being the beer that kind of started them down the track. Um, for me, that was obviously one of them, but um, Ben Krauss and the story behind his brewery uh, and then the beer itself is just amazing. Um, so for him to be able to build an empire so far away from the the, the city, I guess... Uh, and then have such a, a national reach, and then brew such an awesome beer, um, is it was it was pretty breathtaking for me. So yeah, a lot of respect for him, and a lot of respect for the beer.
0: Yeah, because they are in Beechworth, in which is a good three four hour drive yeah, from Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it's in the Klein country. Yeah, and it's a, a beautiful setup there. And um, yeah, certainly that pale ale is is actually you know part of the. Big core range now. That's right. Um, so you know, we're well. We're actually based very close to the airport here. Yes. Uh, so a li-
1: little bit out of the city, but um, brilliant transport links for. Yeah, we're, we're quite lucky. We've got um, two major freeways that run past our doors, so um, we can usually be anywhere within 24 hours. Um, and we work together with a really good distribution company who can take us into state within usually about 48. Um, so, we send a pallet to Queensland quite regularly, um, sometimes to Sydney. Um, so, yeah, travel and logistics is, is, is there, I guess. Wow. And if yeah. you
0: uh, ever need to make a quick dash out of the country, you can. Yeah, <laughs> get exactly. it, yeah, if it all goes wrong, you can yeah. get out of the country. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: um, it's choice two. Yeah. Um, choice two was um, mountain goat skipping girl um, back in the day. Uh, I think they call it the summer Owl now. Uh, and it was just that was just like one of those awesome beers that you can just grab go down to the beach or at a barbecue with some mates easy drinking um, and just delicious like it's just one of those beers that you can just keep knocking back um, it, I guess it was just you know fun The memories that that come up with that beer is just always being with friends and family um, and and yeah it was just just a great beer.
0: I really like their uh, Goldilocks, I think, which yeah. might have been around the same time, um, which hasn't made an appearance since. But I that, haven't seen it for a, yeah, for a yeah. long time. That was great, and um, and obviously the Summer Ale now is is being packaged in the cans. Um, That's right, and obviously going off quite <laughs> quite well. Yeah. Um, have you got you've got a bottling? Have you got any plans to to can any of the beers?
1: Um, to be honest, no. Um, only, only because we made the investment into the bottling machine. Um, had we had our time again, it's really hard to say whether or not we would have gone cans. Um, but I guess there's pros and cons for both. Uh, I guess with the can, it's a little bit more environmentally friendly, easier to travel and things like that. Um, but I guess with the bottle... Um, uh, I don't know. It just there's there's a little bit further reach you can probably go to a little bit different venues with the bottle rather than a can. Um but yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. there there's a romance to opening a bottle isn't yeah. it? The sound yeah. and the the clink and yeah. everything yeah. like that which the traditionalism uh, can doesn't really have, yet. yeah. So um let's get on to your third choice.
1: Yeah. Um so my third choice is my favorite style of beer. Um it's Luscerin Super Saison. Mm-hmm. Um it's just uh, I don't know I guess the, the, the complexity of the flavours in that particular beer uh, is really really interesting to me and the fact that it's getting brewed um, in Australia and locally is, is pretty, obviously pretty important um, and, and it's just delicious I mean Costa knows exactly what he's doing he's got his brewery you know dialed in um, you know the processes that, he, that he's gone behind and the passion that that goes into the beer is is really really cool it's palpable um and yeah i, I just love saisons you yeah. know if i could drink them all day around i would well um
0: yeah. La Seren, they they are doing what would be considered very avant-garde f- compared with the rest of the markets in, in terms of their beers um you've just released a sour um beer yourself yes tell us a little bit about um about that and how that came about
1: yeah so <laughs> funny story um Craig uh, owns a cafe out in Dalesford and he sent me a photo with our, our regular pilsner and some uh, grapefruit squeezed into it and he said just the text was this tastes amazing and I was like yeah man let's do it and we came back to the brewery he designed a, a brand new recipe um, so it's like a, a golden ale base uh, and then we went and purchased 400 liters of fresh unprocessed grapefruit juice uh, and then pumped that into the fermenter right on the end of fermentation, uh, which then kicked it into secondary fermentation. So um, it's just got such complexity and depth of flavour, um, which is which is why I enjoy it so much. Um, and, and it was time, it was time that we branched away from the core range. Um, you know, we, we've had you know some relatively good success with that, and um, yeah, Craig was getting the itch to release something special, and and here it is. And tell us about your core
0: range. That's been that your flagship. That's been what you've really based your success upon. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about it. So,
1: uh I guess the pale ale um, was something that we we just wanted to do from the get-go. I think every brewery in in the country has a pale ale or their version of a pale ale. Um, And I tasted a few of of, um, Craig's incarnations and I I really liked them, so we went ahead and and made a a pale ale. Um, But something that we both um, really gelled about, uh, especially during the early stages, was the Pilsner or a Kraft lager. Um And and yeah, it, it was important to me. It was important to Craig. And yeah, he just went went ahead and designed it um, from scratch, pretty much. And and we do it all properly. It's not it's not it's not a uh, for lack of a better word a fake Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done properly. It lagers in tank for about six weeks. Um, so yeah, we you know low and slow ferment, especially at the beginning, to you know kind of suppress any ester formation. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was the Pilsner. Um, and, and the IPA was simply out of demand. Uh, everyone was saying, you've got to release an IPA, you've got to release an IPA. So we released an IPA. <laughs> um, and it wasn't we never planned for it to be a corbia. Uh, just it was yeah, popular enough for us to, to brew it consistently. Uh, and then, you know, those are our three cores. Uh, when we first launched, we had a Scotch Ale. Um, which we decided to do every winter. So we've actually brewed it again uh, about two weeks ago um, so we can have it ready in time for um, good beer week. And that will be uh, strictly seasonal? Yeah, yeah, just one batch, 5,000 litres, ready for winter, Uh, get in, best dressed, and and you can have some. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, it'll sell out. Excellent. uh, This
0: has come up quite a lot on the podcast about seasonal beers and um, some seasonal beers that appear and then stay on the shelf for yeah. forever <laughs> and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of th- that does take away from the fact that it's the time of year and the season so it, it's really nice to hear that you're going to um withdraw it off the shelves so when it's gone it's gone that's right um and there's, there's something really nice about that so Thanks. um yeah excellent Very music to my ears thank you um <laughs> excellent so uh i want to ask you as well um was this venue your first choice was this venue were you looking just in this area or was there a number of different options or
1: um there was uh, we always wanted to stay west um so i'm born and raised in the west um kind of moved around from sunshine to st albans um to Taylor's lakes so we've always kicked around these areas mm. um there was a venue that was a little bit further down the road um closer to Tullamarine, which was kind of perfect um had everything that we wanted all the utilities were already there it was um you know close to other little shops and cafes and stuff so there would have been like a nice little cool foodie vibe uh, going on there uh, but unfortunately it was just way too expensive mm. um and yeah with this this venue came up which is a little bit closer not really much else um food wise going on around here so it's going to have to be a draw card once it does open um, just to get people to come out and then just see what's going on, um, but yeah, look, it's it's kind of perfect for what we want it to be, and we've we've, we've transformed it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there seems to be a
0: a togetherness about the Western suburbs. Like uh, everybody seems to be, I f- feel like there is a sense of of communality and yeah. Look, um, I
1: guess because there's not really that many of us, mm. um, and and we kind of stick together. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, Jane um, from Two Birds was one of the first brewers that I contacted to, to get some, you know, inspiration um, about what we're doing. Same thing with Mazin from Hawkers. Um, yeah. Everyone, everyone's just, it's like a, yeah, like a brotherhood kind of thing, like a family. Um, yeah, it's just really cool. Yeah. No, it's gr- lovely to hear. Yeah. Um, choice four. Choice four is the Russian River, uh, Pliny the Elder. Um, just a hop bomb. Just love it. There's flavour all the way through the the hop character, the I guess the the balanced uh, malt profile with with the what hops are going on there. It's just a delicious beer. And where are Russian River based? I think? Uh, out in the states. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're going to test me now. I don't know <laughs> exactly which state it is, but it's definitely in the US.
0: And did you yeah. try that beer in Australia? First? Yes. Yeah. 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 Correct and on tap or uh no in a bottle yeah, uh, in yeah. A, i think
1: in a long neck and i think a 750 mil bottle yeah um so yeah yeah it's just a absolutely delicious beer and strong and strong <laughs> yeah yeah she, oh she's a belter it's like eight percent so strong but not extremely um but yeah yeah just i don't know um i can't remember the first time that i had it but it just you kind of take a drink and you're like wow you know that's you know, they they obviously care about what they're doing. They haven't mm. just thrown a whole heap of hops in and said, "Yeah, it's a double IPA." You know, mm. they've they've taken some obviously care and consideration to what they're doing, and it's just really cool. And is there any other US um,
0: breweries or or beers that you find yourself going back to?
1: Um, good question, man. Or do you tend to stay stay local? What what's I try to I try to support local as best as I can but I do like what's going on in like mm. the US obviously they've been added a lot longer than we have um, probably the stone go to IPA um, I found myself you know reaching for that one um, often um, you know the stuff that's coming out of Brooklyn like their lager is quite nice mm. um, yeah I mean the Sierra Nevada stuff you know, like yeah I, if, if it's ever around I'll definitely jump onto it but um, we're so spoiled for choice in Australia We've got such amazing breweries, especially in Victoria, uh, and they're all so close. And yeah, if if I, if I'm ever you know about, I'll try to support you know a local brewery.
0: Yeah, and fresh. And fresh, well. absolutely. <laughs> it's
1: um, definitely an important factor. Yeah. Um, choice five. Um, choice five is uh, the Rodenbach Grand Cru. Um, not only is it a delicious beer, um, uh, amazing. Um, but I, I, I really like the story behind it. Um, so I don't know if there's any truth to this, but I was told <laughs> um, that uh, obviously they've, they've been around for for you know a hundred years or so. Um, and when they wanted to upgrade their brewery, they started ripping out all their old equipment. Um, but they found the beers weren't tasting the same because I guess the bacteria just hadn't taken a hold of it. Um, so yeah, what was really cool is that they can't upgrade their brewery. They they have to upgrade it in stages. They they need to you know upgrade one or two things, let the bacteria take a hold, upgrade another couple of things, and that story behind you know the being so passionate about the beer and not being able to supply a demand is just really cool.
0: Yeah, and they seem to be a real resurgence in the road and back being available yeah. in Australia. Yeah, uh, oh, probably they, they, they just, just
1: did one in cans. Yeah, and I think I think that is just a a, a mind blowing, a <laughs> <Yeah>, mind <laughs> trip. You know, like <laughs> such an awesome. You know, grandeur of a beer I don't know what the right word is but and, and they've just done it in cans you know like yep yeah, cool we see what the market wants done yeah this it's, is cool
0: and uh, in terms of that do you think um, Fiorin's how flexible are you in terms of what's happening in a market or are you, do you think you could be a market leader rather than uh, following the, the what's what's um, hot and
1: it just, I guess it all stems back to what we decided on when we first started so what our core principles are and if Market. If by market leader you mean doing something that we believe in and that we, we want to do um, and that everyone else likes, then yeah, that's fine. Then we'll be the market leaders. But um, I, I guess what we always want to keep in mind is that we just want to be true to obviously good beer number one and then true to ourselves. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're we just, uh, without, uh, I guess, you know, without sounding too emotional or whatever, we're just going to keep brewing the, the beers that Uh, That resonate really well with us that we want to do that are fun that you know you know tasty obviously and and yeah excellent
0: um we're getting very close to i'm gonna ask you very shortly for your um your beer snack and the receptacle to drink these six beers out of um but tell us about number six
1: yeah um so number six is the two meter tall um, out in Tassie uh, A farmer's resilience And a seven year rich um, Not only is it A delicious beer um, But I just love the story You know He went to He went to Europe Did a whole heap of um, You know Research into You know Different styles of fermentation Came back to Australia uh, Brewed one up And then went to release it And everyone was like No What is this This has gone up We don't want to drink it uh, And then yeah He had He had the I guess the the Intestinal fortitude To just say No This is a good beer I'll keep it for seven years. And then, yeah, and then released it when it was right. And there the market jumped all over it. And, you know, he's, he's kind of laughing now.
0: Yeah, I heard that he'd actually... Um, he'd worked in wine in France for yeah. many years and then bought a plot in Tasmania with the idea of it being a vineyard Correct, for wine. yeah. And actually turned up in Tasmania and was like, uh, this is ideal for beer. Yeah. <laughs> and then shifted completely. Yeah. And I think... Um, you can visit uh, I think they've got a little they shed do. where you I can have,
1: I have I, and I'll be the first to say I haven't been actually been out there but yeah, anytime I see a bottle on the shelf I'm definitely reaching for it
0: yeah I'm definitely uh, keen on on going along because I think they also have um, a lot of their styles are real ale uh, British yeah. cask um, beers which obviously are, uh, you know I would uh, enjoy yeah Um and actually, would you consider doing anything uh, cask or, or real ale in yeah, that style? Yeah,
1: we, we, we want to. Uh, it's just not very practical um, from a, I guess, from a location point of view. Um, because we're so close to the freeway and the airport, our air is probably not the best kind of for a natural ferment. Uh, and also the, the equipment that we need to invest in to do it right um, would be quite expensive. Um, mm. So, yeah, it'll probably happen, but it'll, it might be a few years from now.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I suppose that it's, it is that infrastructure thing of um, the difference between cask and keg and yeah. having that yeah, secondary fermentation and sel- being able to sell her and all of those things is, right. is pretty tricky to do. So, um, But when you're out in a field, in a farm in Tasmania, then yeah, uh, it's a different story. Yeah, that's uh, great. So um, well, actually, wh- we have um, four of your uh, choices were Australian so clearly yeah. you do value the local and yeah. you've got um those things that changed um often when we talk through our six uh the often uh, they are imported beers because the, that was the journey in australia but it's nice to see that a list which is heavily populated with local beers and um what, what are you drinking these beers out of
1: uh i usually find myself drinking out of a tulip um like a little goblet kind of thing um I guess easy to get the aroma, you can obviously have a look at the appearance, you know, carbonation, stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, it's just generally what I gravitate towards. If you put any kind of glass in my hand, I'd probably drink anything <laughs> out of it. Um, but yeah, it's I've got one at home and I just keep going back to that one glass. So yeah, I hope it never breaks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and in terms of your bar downstairs, are you um, thinking of... What, what k- type of glassware will you um, get for that? Uh,
1: yeah, so we'll probably have um, schooners and pints, just the mm-hmm. general, um, just for your, I guess, uh, a pail and pills and stuff like that. We'll also have a, um, a, a craftier selection uh, available. Um, in bottles, stuff that we can, you know, bring in from overseas or buy locally, whatever it might be. And then, yeah, we'll probably have like a, a tulip or a goblet for those.
0: Yeah, because they, they are great to drink out of, but when you actually uh, need to wash them and, yeah, and turn nightmare. them over quickly, not not yeah. as much fun. That's right. That's <laughs> so, exactly right. Um, And your beer snack as well to accompany the beers. Yeah,
1: look, this was a hard one because I don't really have one particular snack that I'm always going back to um i guess if it's in my hand it means i love it but um yeah i i, I wrote down um soft baked pretzels. uh just the, the the saltiness the texture the chewy it's just yeah nice excellent uh, uh, i don't it doesn't really match any of the beers that <laughs> i've chosen <laughs> I, I guess i just like eating them <laughs> <laughs> so
0: where to for fiorians on what's the what's the
1: projection what's the trajectory that you're on um yeah good question um where to? Um, hopefully, in the coming months, um, our tank upgrade will be complete. Um, so we're in the process of ordering some more tanks, um, just to get our capacity up. Um, where else? Uh, I, I, you know, branch uh, a little bit further out into the country um, that we don't really have too much of a, a regional. Um, uh, position at the moment, um, so there's there's obviously a little bit of a demand out there for our beers. So we want to um, employ a, a sales rep to, to be able to head out there and um, and you know spread the love. Um, you know, hopefully, you know by this time next year, we'd we're into more states a little bit more regularly um, rather than just the occasional palate here and there. Um, and yeah, just I, I guess just brew. Uh, the like I said before like the just brew the beers that we want that you know we think are important that that kind of express who we are um you know spread that story and and just you know ride this 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 really really awesome wave um you know there's so many innovators in australia that that are doing some really really cool beers uh and I guess we just we we just want to you know be part of that environment that community um it's really really rewarding and in terms of your your
0: bar um uh, what's the plan for that uh, is it going to be open just at the weekend or
1: yeah we we haven't decided just yet to be completely honest um we'll make a big song and dance about it once once we've locked down all the details but i guess it's just um it it'll, it'll probably be you know maybe on like a friday night or a saturday night or something like that um for people to to actually come down and, and have a chat with us and um you know have a look at the brewery and and kind of you know and see what we're all about um rather than like a bar, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it'll be like a tasting room rather yep. than a bar. Um, that sounds better. Yeah. yeah. It's a room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like just, you know, to give people the opportunity to, to, to have a chat, you know. There's, there's so many cool homebrewers out there that just want the opportunity to come in and, and pick people's brains and they might not have the opportunity to do that out and about or if they're not at a specific event, whereas... You know, we'll be here every Friday, every Saturday. We, you know, we're brewing, we're bottling, we're doing something, and then mm. just to have people have the opportunity to come in and talk to us—it's something that we want to do and give back to the community that's been so generous to us. Mm. And will you also
0: use the the bar as a bit of a sounding board for maybe releasing a new beer? Or
1: yeah, look, we've we um, we bought um, in the initial setup. We bought a, a, a small. Um, uh, trial kit a fifty liter version of of our big system um, and we can pump out some pretty accurate beers or as close as we can to um, the to the larger system uh, and the idea was to release something you know every week when we're when we're on operation so just one keg you know fifty liters and see how it goes you know and if it's something that's that that people enjoy and it's cool you know we could possibly consider you know making you know five thousand liters of it um, but you know I guess just to keep changing just keep keep being dynamic um, yeah and in
0: terms of your role Andrew um, you are mad busy yeah. um, <laughs> What what
1: is your day-to-day uh, I am the head payer of invoices <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, the chief stressor um, uh, look um, I guess I find myself um, yeah look behind the computer if I'm incredibly honest most of the time mm. um, Chasing up, um, you know, uh, customers and you know, building new relationships um, is is probably what I do when I'm based in the brewery. I, I do try to get out onto the floor as much as I can. Um, so when you walked in today, we were bottling. So I was bottling with the guys earlier this morning. Um, yeah, uh, I, I head out onto the road, see see customers, try to gain new customers. Um, a little bit of everything is the answer. I just find myself doing a lot of everything. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Well. Um, thanks very much for spending the time today my pleasure um, and talking about Fury and Sun where can we find you online and um, what's the best way for c- or where the customers find your beer And
1: yeah so um, we're in all of the Blackhearts and Sparrows at the moment Senaway um, Sellers is probably the closest um, bottle shop that you can find us in um, currently uh, the Penny Young out in Mooney Ponds uh, yeah there's a few places around the traps that you can find us yeah um, we don't have anywhere that's that's regular, like on tap, like always. I can't point you to a direction where you'll always find a, a Fury and Sun beer. I guess that's one of the things that was important to us, that we don't lock taps or we don't sign contracts. You know, if people enjoy the beer, then they'll buy it based on its merits. Um, so, yeah.
0: And yeah. you... So, uh, in terms of not locking up a contract, yeah, um, that's important for you not to do that? Is that Yeah, correct, yeah? yeah. Look...
1: Um, the state of uh, the craft beer industry at the moment is growing, but we don't want it to get to a point where we need to cannibalize each other. Mm. Um, so what was important to us from the beginning was we're going to brew these beers and we're going to release them and they they should stand on their own two feet based on their own merit um, rather than us walking into a bar and saying... We want that tap, you know. Uh, here's here's ten free kegs or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that was the kind of the premise behind it.
0: And do you get a sort of sinking feeling if you do find out about a
1: tap that's been locked up, or? Um, look, not really. Like, there's, there, you know, if if someone if another brewery wants to pay for a tap or lock up a tap, then good luck to them. You know, I I, I honestly have no hard feelings. It's just not not something that we want to do.
0: Mm. And would you say that
1: is quite common a- across the the community? Not really. Think, yeah. Not not really. If I'm completely honest, There's, there hasn't been a venue that we've walked into and said, you know, this other brewery has locked this tap. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, you know, the bigger players in the game, like you know, CB and Lion and, and, and stuff like that, they they seem to have a, a kind of dominant foothold. But the venues, um, I guess, that are really savvy, um, good business operators, will realise that that's probably not the way to go forward. And these older, older style contracts. Um, will slowly fade and uh, and, and become non-existent. Um, so all the new bars that, that kind of pop up uh, uh, are yeah, just generally you know 100% craft-focused or if they are going to have mainstream beers, I mean, obviously good luck to them, they're not locked in. Mm. They can just chop and change as they see fit.
0: Yeah, that seems a much more uh, flexible and yeah. approachable system. And, uh, and as you say, you want to be supportive of each other as well. That's right. If people like it they drink it that's right that's <laughs> so, exactly right <laughs> so yeah. well thanks very much andrew for spending the time today pleasure. um it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and learn about uh fury and sun and um we'll be looking out for you in the future most definitely
1: thank you thank you very much so that
0: was it andrew giorgio from fury and sun thanks very much for andrew for making a time in a very busy period for fury and sun um preparations are going on for that tap room to be open on their premises there at their brewery and as i know there's been a lot of conversation online particularly on facebook about how that's going to take shape and it's great to see Fiori and son and andrew reaching out to the local community there to actually see what they want and how that tap room is going to look so make sure you get online Follow Fury and Son, because I think that's a really exciting development. I'm sure there'll be many more, as there already have been in the western suburbs so far in the last 18 months or so. In the next episode, I'm talking to beer historian, writer for Crafty Pint and Froth magazine, Will Zabel. And we had a great chat about all things beer, all things history. I wonder if you can guess what beer Will is talking about when he said this. The beer that like, really caught my eye was just this weird little yeah, brown hairy thing and I was like, I don't care how much money it costs, I'm just going to buy that. Thanks for all the likes on Facebook, the follows on Twitter, Instagram and I love having a conversation, hearing a message from you as well. So make sure you drop me a line Lovely to catch up with lots of people over Good Beer Week as well. I hope you're all recovered. Thanks for those of you who've shared the episodes, have talked about the Chosen Brew in the pub, maybe even thought about your own Chosen beers. I'd love to hear about them. So feel free to send me a message, drop me a line, and I look forward to talking beer with you soon. Take care.